This is Our Voices on the Yard. Welcome to Our Voices on the Yard, where Black artistic excellence meets everyday life. I'm your host, Denise Woods, and I'm going to take you from the Black church to the bright lights of Broadway, from tiny music studios to the mega stages of international opera houses, from rustic dance studios to ornate vaudeville theaters. Join me as we explore and celebrate the achievements of the Black artists that attended conservatories and fine arts programs around the world, starting with my very own, the Juilliard School. This is Our Voices on the Yard. Hi, this is Denise Woods, and welcome to Our Voices on the Yard. Today, we have a special interview. The interview is not just an individual, it's two. Two wonderful actors that went to Juilliard 50 years apart. That's right, that's right, that's right. 50 years apart. We have Stephen McKinley Henderson who was in the first graduating class of the Juilliard School's drama division. And then we have Elijah Jones, who graduated in the 50th class of Juilliard's drama division. It's an extraordinary interview. I mean, for obvious reasons. But I think the main takeaway is to see what changed, what stayed the same, and then have a wonderful conversation about it. To be in conversation with these two gentlemen was just extraordinary. I think you're going to really enjoy this. Stephen McKenley Henderson, everybody knows who he is because he's a Tony-nominated, Obie Award-winning actor of some repute. And Elijah Jones is really just at the beginning of his career. So we see an actor who we all know and love and an actor who we're just getting ready to know, share the same space, and it's extraordinary. So, I also have a wonderful little-known fact. Did you know that Ving Rhames went to Juilliard? <laughs> I didn't think so. Yes, Ving Rhames went to Juilliard, and we all know who Ving Rhames is, but he went to Juilliard classically trained. As a matter of fact, Ving Rhames and I went to high school together, so I've known him forever. So, little known fact, but sit back, enjoy this extraordinarily exceptional interview with the wonderful Stephen McKinley Henderson and Elijah Jones. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Hello, hello, thank hello. You, thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Absolutely. Most of you know Stephen from the multi-Oscar nominated film Dune. Did you know that he has also appeared in five other Oscar-nominated films? Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, 2011. Lincoln, 2012. Fences, 2016. Manchester by the Sea, 2016. He did both of those in the same year. And Lady Bird, 2017. He's the recipient of a Drama Desk Award, an Obie Award, and Nordelco Award. He really is best known for his August Wilson work in the century cycle of plays. It's been said that audiences who watch August Wilson plays have grown first accustomed to and then dependent on Stephen McKinley Henderson. I, I, I would say that there's some truth to that. Mm. He's also been deemed 
one of the 32 greatest character actors working today. I wonder where they came up with that number 32. But I am sure glad that Stephen McKinley Henderson made the list because he is an exceptional character actor. Stephen says, and we'll talk about this, it's not about getting it right, it's about getting it true. Like that. I really like that. We'll unpack that. Elijah. Elijah Jones was elected by the Juilliard Drama Division faculty to receive a prize for outstanding achievement and exceptional professional promise. That's pretty impressive, my brother. He's the MFA class of 2021. He recently starred in Dominic Morisot's Confederates at the Signature Theater in New York. Elijah has said, what sets me apart is me. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Thank you That's both wonderful. for sharing your wisdom and your gifts. I'm going to start with Stephen, but this question is for both of you. I want to know what was happening in the world 50 years apart. So Stephen, I'm going to start with you because you came first. I want to know what year you auditioned for Juilliard and how you got there. How did you find out about Juilliard? You were the first class of Juilliard. And so how did you know that Juilliard was starting a drama division? The world famous music school was starting a drama division. And then tell me what was happening in the world that informed your decision to go and your decision to, to enroll. I graduated from high school in 1967. I was planning to go to the junior college in town and then see what happened. But then I had a teacher who said you could go to Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri, historically, you know, black college. He said, I can help you get in there. Your grades are good. So I went down to uh, Jefferson City, Missouri, to, to Lincoln University, founded by black cavalry back uh, after the Civil War. And I went a year there. And while I was there, another teacher from my incredible high school, Sumner High School, Kansas City, Kansas, called me and she was working on her master's at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And she said, listen, they're starting this drama division at the Juilliard School and the people here at this college, University of Kansas City, have had some people audition and the head of the program, Dr. Patricia McElrath, they called her the Iron Butterfly. She was very disappointed that none of her students, one girl was accepted, but m most of her actors were not accepted. And she turned to my teacher, where's that colored boy that did a Raisin in the Sun for us that was in high school? So I played Walter Lee when I was in high school at this uh, semi-professional uh, theater at, at college. And my teacher, Gloria Terrell, directed it. And so they asked her while she was working on her master's, Where's that, where's that color boy? And so she said, he goes to school at Lincoln U. They said he can go to Chicago and audition under our banner because they weren't taking students from the historically black. So they said he can literally go in, get an audition. We'll let him come under our thing. It was her ego. She wanted to have somebody. And she thought I got had a shot at it. So I uh, put together a piece from... Um, Hamlet and, and Walter Lee. They said, well, you, know, you need a serious piece and a comic piece. So I said, well, my serious piece is Walter Lee and my comic piece is Hamlet. And they, they looked at me, John Houseman and Michael Kahn. They sort of said, okay, I guess this kid knows what he's doing. You know. But I, I used the advice to the players 
as my comic oh, piece. Speak the speech, I pray you. Speak the speech, I pray you, as I pronounce it to you. And I, I was giving it to an older actor who was not able to hear as well. So I had to repeat certain lines and I, and I was frustrated by his inability to understand what I was saying. And it did, it, they, they laughed, it was a comic piece, it turned in. So, but, and I knew uh, as my teacher told me, he said, well, they're gonna remember you if nothing else. They, they, they may not let you in the school, but they will remember the guy who said, Walter Lee is the serious piece and Hamlet is the comic piece. <laughs> and uh, Hausman really liked it. And when I got back to uh, Kansas City, first time I was on a plane. But when I got back, they said, well, how did it go? And I said, well, I think it went all right. And they said, well, what did they say afterwards? And I said, well, they asked me if I wanted to go to lunch uh, with them. And they said, well, they asked you if you wanted to go to lunch. That's good. That's good. Did you go? And I said, well, no, because I, I had to get back. I mean, I told them I had to come catch the plane. I knew you were going to be waiting for me and everything. They said, boy, you don't know what you did. So anyway, I got in and that was 68. Right after that, I, I went to Frankfort, Kentucky with our school. I was there April the 4th, 1968 in Frankfort, Kentucky when Martin was assassinated. And the first time I saw the Klan in person, on they came on the campus of Kentucky State, another historically black school where we were having this uh, sure. a conference and they were celebrating, uh, uh, celebrating the fact that Martin Luther King was dead and uh, honking their horns and shooting in the sky and wearing their finalia and so on and so forth. I realized, cause I was a little of, let's say not scared, but I was concerned about going to New York. And then I, and I realized, I said, Hey man, I, I can't, can't get any worse than where I am now. So I knew, uh, although I didn't know anybody in New York and didn't have anywhere to stay, I went to the Sloan House Y, uh, tried to be, get a room, found out what that was about in, in 1968, the Sloan House Y, that was no picnic. Mm. But I finally got a place <laughs> and started classes. And my dear friend, uh, uh, James Moody, he's the one who showed me how to ride the subway. I didn't know anything about the subway. and. Uh, I was I was getting around barely till I got to the first day that I got to uh, orientation, and mm -hmm. he could he could look at me and see that I didn't know what was going on, you know. And uh, so Jimmy, uh, uh, that day he said, "Okay, man, let's get the train. We're gonna go here. Here's how you do the express train. Here's how you transfer." Blah 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 blah. And I was off. I was I was there. That sounds amazing. That sounds. We'll come back. We'll circle back and and talk more specifics about the the time at Juilliard. Elijah, how about you, yes. that audition experience? I am proud to say that I was on the audition panel that auditioned you in Chicago, I do believe. And yes. I want to know why you auditioned in Chicago since you were from Pennsylvania. <laughs> I know that for a fact, I know for a fact that when you left the room, all of us looked at each other and said, wow. So you never oh. hear this, you know, you never hear it. But but I'm telling you now, we looked at each other and said, that's, that's, that's talent. So Elijah, Chicago, yeah. what was it? 29, no, what, 16? 17? Wow, and that just, that just yeah. amazed me because I auditioned in Chicago in uh, 68. So that's wow. just, that blows wow. me away, yeah. Chicago. Yeah, wow. yeah that's a, it's a, oh, it's a small great world. city. Great city. Have you worked there yet, Elijah? 
I have not worked there yet, and and, uh, got and that treat in store. That was really my only time being in this in in Chicago was for that audition, uh, and I was there. That was like February, so it was very cold. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. very cold. <laughs> I, I never felt no cold quite like that. <laughs> how did you get there? How did you how did you yeah. get to know Juilliard? Because by the time fifty years later, this generation knew Juilliard because of your generation. My generation, I'm, I'm group eight, I'm just going to throw this in, I'm group eight, but your class, group one, was just starting to be famous when I was mm. at Juilliard. They were just starting, mm. you know, Patty oh, yeah, Cone and Christopher yeah, Reeves, the, group yeah. three, you know, those earlier groups, they were And the acting starting. company was quite established at that by that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were very yeah. much established at that time. Mm. So clearly... You had no knowledge of, of what this drama division was. You had no knowledge of, of John Houseman. John Houseman started his acting career. He actually left Juilliard when I was in my first year as head of the drama division to go off and do Professor Kingsfield paper in, chase. Yeah. In, in Paper Chase, mm -hmm. so, for which he mm -hmm. won the Oscar. And that was in the 70s. So fast forward, we're talking the next millennium. These kids know exactly what Juilliard is and who went. and. I will contend because I was on faculty. I believe it is tougher to get into Juilliard than it was when we were auditioning, Stephen. Because I, well, you know, I would numbers, say so. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 mean, I would I mean, say everybody so. Everybody is there. I have to say, we would look on the faculty when we would go out and audition. It's because several of us went to Juilliard who were on faculty, and and we mm. would look at each other and say, "Gosh, I am so glad I'm not auditioning now." Because I would <laughs> never get in. <laughs> so you got in. Tell us what was it like, and, and start man, with how you man. found out about Juilliard. Yeah, yeah. I so I did my undergrad at Penn State University, mm -hmm. and I got a BA in theater at Penn State. But I had some incredible acting teachers there. I, I had a, a an acting acting teacher by the name of Wendell B. Franklin. Steve Broadnax. Oh, Steve Broadnax, uh, the director. He's a director oh, a lot now. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. And also Story Ayers, uh, who also just directed me in Confederates. Mm. And yes. they all, you know, they all kind of took me under their wing while I was there. And and so when I'm getting ready to graduate, they they were like, you know, you might want to pursue an MFA. And I, I had I had never considered it up until that point. You know what I'm saying? It just wasn't on my radar. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do after undergrad, but I didn't think about an MFA. I was just like, all right, I guess I'll move to New York and try to like make it work. But they were all like, yeah, we think you really have something and you might just want to hone it a little bit more because at Penn State, since it was a BA, it was really just focused on like theater history with some performance mm. elements sprinkled in. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll audition for these MFA programs. And that's when I really got introduced to Juilliard. Like it was definitely something that I'd heard about growing up, but there was nothing that I really had ever thought about attending. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was mm -hmm. so uh, far out of my sphere of possibility i think and, and even still when i was auditioning it felt like as as you were just talking about it felt like a long shot i'm like who i don't know nobody that that, that goes to juilliard that gets into juilliard um but i auditioned coming out of undergrad 
and that was 2016. So that was the first time I actually auditioned. Now you mm -hmm. caught me on the second time. Now the first time ah. I auditioned, auditioned in New York City, and it was. I mean, I just hadn't. I had never. Uh, I think seen anything quite like that New York uh, Juilliard audition just in terms of the number of people that are there that day and like, <laughs> they have all the all of the students working the auditions and they 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 put us in these huge like holding areas that I found out now having gone to Juilliard were like dance studios it was like 50 plus of us in each of these two rooms mm -hmm. and so it's just a lot of energy a lot a lot of energy in that room this is so interesting, though, isn't it, Stephen? Oh my goodness! This, you know, right? you know, when he talked about uh, Steve Broadnax and Story, I met both of them at Penn State through uh, a dear friend of mine named Jim Wise, and I, I was going to ask mm. Elijah if, if you knew Jim Wise while you were there, but he probably taught only in the MFA program. That's exactly it. Yeah, when I was there, he he was only teaching the MFA program, and actually, I got into the theater program just as he was retiring you know i i came to penn state undecided and it was at penn state that i actually decided to pursue acting and so him and i i don't even think really overlapped like i i saw him around but i never but he really he uh him. he two of two of the students there that he thought the world of and that he wanted to introduce me to when i came to visit a couple of times i did a master class or whatever there and uh and it was uh Story and Steve Broadnax. So, you know, just to know wow. that when they were Small they were world. graduate students, and then by the time you come, they're faculty. You know, and that's yes. just I, I just love knowing that uh, right. about uh, your legacy, your 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 history. I I, I love knowing that. It's that's it's, it's interesting that's because incredible. it it's fascinating because you will find that intersectionality of black folk wherever we go it's like our mm -hmm. our world is quite small you know no matter what space we're in we just know each other yeah, and yeah. and if we don't i know your cousin you know we yeah. always have that and it's and it's beautiful the new york audition was just very overwhelming i think for for me and just the number of sheer people that was there I didn't have success that first time around. And so I actually spent nine months down in Louisville, Kentucky, doing an apprenticeship at Actors Theater of Louisville. And that also came about through Story and Steve, um, who, you know, put me on to this apprenticeship. Because once I had my mind made up about an MFA, that I was kind of a one track, you know, mind. And I think that that might be the Capricorn in me. I never considered doing an apprenticeship. Um, but they brought this specific apprenticeship to my attention. And and while, it was while I was down there at Actors Theater Louisville that I reapplied to Juilliard. And honestly, the reason why it, I ended up in Chicago was just because that was the closest audition place to where I was, to Louisville, Kentucky. And by close, I mean, I, wow, if I remember correctly, I think I took a bus from Louisville, mm -hmm. Uh, I don't even remember how long that bus ride was, uh, but but it felt like, <laughs> um, and and yeah, I auditioned in 
where were we, Denise? It was like a hotel, right? Yeah, it was one of the big ones. It was like one of the the hotels that they do conferences and it's like an omni. And uh, yeah, it was huge. We're in the basement. Juilliard was, was in the basement of that. Of that yes. Right? And yeah, we were down in the sub-level of, of, of the hotel. And yeah. it was it was nice because it was spacious and you know it was centrally located. But my question is, I want to know, did you get a call back the first time in New York? <laughs> I didn't get nothing. They didn't look like <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you right now that it, it was cold. It was it was real cold. <laughs> it was honestly, if it wasn't for I mean, Julia wasn't the only school that I applied to that first time around. And and it was only because I did get some callbacks at other schools that I mm. even you know, to to reapply to Juilliard because I was like, all right, I feel like I do have something here. You know, mm -hmm. it maybe it, I didn't execute it the way uh, that I that I had wanted to that first time around. But yeah, no, I didn't get anything that first time. It was the second time, and I'll ne I will never forget this. We're, we're we're in the basement of this hotel, and I and I go and I do my audition. They come out at the end of. I, I, don't, I think I auditioned in the afternoon and it's like, like the end of the afternoon and Kathy Hood comes out and she posts that paper on the yes. wall. And when I tell you, it was only my name on that paper. Um, what? And, and uh, but, but Denise, when I, when I uh, tell you, I did, I didn't even, I was nervous. So, you know, I'm in the back, like it's a bunch of people gathering around this piece of paper. I don't want to look, I, I don't know, you know, what, what, what's going to happen. Uh, and then some young lady who was auditioning says, who is Elijah Jones? <laughs> and, and, and then, and then everyone turns and is looking around and I like sheepishly like put my hand up and I'm like, uh, that's, that's me. And everybody turns and like starts like clapping. It was, it was. What? The strangest moment, I think, because I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Everybody's now looking at me and I and I feel good about it. But I also feel like awkward because it's just me. It was like nobody else that was on that particular list that, at that time. Yeah, I will never, ever, ever. That's a great, great story, brother. That's great. Isn't that? Yeah. Oh, Elijah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That you were the only name on that list because, you know, kids are waiting. They they post that list from the at the morning auditions and then the afternoon auditions and then you come back in the afternoon and then you do theater games with Moni. Yeah. Okay, so you had Moni Yakim, Stephen. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, the great Moni. Uh, and Moni and you had Moni Yakim. I did. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, and, I think that the fact and, that, and that, so that you would have that we both probably had is. Moni and maybe Liz Smith. Did you? Those were who I had. Yeah. I did have both of them. I mean, Liz, yeah. at the, when I was there, she did teach or like occasion. Coach. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. But, but she also, Moni, Moni, you'd see around in the hall and all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. This begs the question what was the Juilliard experience like during the George Floyd murder? and during the pandemic and mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter. It was, and, and then we'll go back to Stephen because, you know, once Dr. King was assassinated, it, it spurred these 
uprisings. And so I, I want to know what the culture was like. Activism became the forefront of what we wanted to do and how we wanted our art to speak for us. It wasn't just being in a studio now, rehearsing Hamlet and Romeo. We wanted it to be about something larger. And so, Stephen, if you can speak to that and then think about that. Oh, yeah, the thing that I recall most, it was a time a group of students at Juilliard uh, a few years uh, later had invited me to an event this priest had at his home. They were saying that they had either, they had just done, or they were saying that they hadn't done a, a black play or something at Juilliard. I can't remember what group it was, a wonderful group of students though. And I told them, they said they've never done anything. I said, well, no, that's not true. I did Dutchman while I was here in the, the second year, and James and I did uh, Great Goodness of Life. Uh, we did two of uh, Amiri Baraka's plays. We also, uh, mm. Jimmy and uh, uh, Sam Sutsevitz, I think it was, did some scenes from Blood Knot mm -hmm. and uh, also- uh, Keith actually did Bosman and Liena. Uh-huh, yeah, see, so, but mm -hmm. they, the, the thing Scarf. was that these this group had not realized the shows that had been done. That's why this is so important, what you're doing. But they didn't know the connection. They didn't know the through line. Right. And, mm. and the school had not informed them of it. In other words, mm -hmm. there were shows that they had pictures on the wall of, but they weren't the shows that we had done, these particular shows. While I was there, Kent State occurred. Some of the drama students were putting embalming makeup and layout around the fountain and the um, string orchestra came and, and, and played the Requiem Mass. And they had a, they had a, 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 a demonstration of, you know, about Kent State and CBS came and they filmed it and they did this whole thing. It was a, a lot of coverage of, this is Juilliard making a statement about this. And then Jackson State happened mm -hmm. and uh, we tried to organize an event and they said, well, we've already done that. We've already made our statement. We did that for Kent State. As if that were enough and they weren't gonna mm. do anything mm. for what happened at Jackson State. That was the beginning of my um, disillusionment with the place and the fact that uh, it also had, had become the competitive nature, the, the part of the first year, first class, because mm -hmm. that's what I was a part of. I wasn't a part of the first graduating class. You've got to get James Moody for that. But I was a part of the first class and the first mm -hmm. year. And in the second year, the ensemble that was being built in the first year, the wonderful, wonderful vibe that existed that was a carryover from seeing hair and having Anna Sokolov and faculty. And I mean, mm. you know, the whole thing that was going on in New York at the time. Not to mention Marion Seldes. Oh, Marion, I mean, my, please. Yeah. I mean, you know, yes. That's, yes. Yes. that's it. So all of that in that first year was so ensemble building and the connection. And by the second year after the cuts, see, because again, that's why I yes. say it's so great that uh, James uh, ended the cuts. You know, guys didn't didn't have to go through that. But those cuts that were going on when 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 that started happening, it also caused the competitiveness where you used to have your buddies back 
Now you got the back so you can pull the pants down. You know what I mean? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Is that but you know, back up, Stephen. to get, you know, a little. Back up, Steve. Back uh -huh. up just a bit. Yeah, I want yeah. you to back up just a bit for people who don't know what the cut system was and the cut policy. And who was James that came along? The James oh, that uh, you're referring to. I want people to James, know James, that. James Norton, right? Absolutely. James, James Houghton. J yes. Uh, Houghton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. who, who, who also uh, at that time ran the Signature Theater. And, uh, yes. uh, and, and he was the head man. of the drama division for yeah. a wonderful stint. Yes. And yes. he did away with that cut policy because yeah. it really was, it was damaging. Oh, it was. Um, you it was could barely work. Damage. And there were yeah. there's, there's students walking around right now. Michael Kahn acknowledged at one of our the functions there that there were people who were walking wounded from those, yes. from that era. There's still. Oh, yeah. And I knew some classmates who I've, I saw years later who, never quite recovered from that. And what, what, what James Houghton understood was he said, we will have a, a, a rigorous, thorough audition process where we do these workshops and we watch students go through a lot of stuff, not just walk in the room and, and do a couple of monologues, but, but you do your monologues, but you also go through these workshops so we can see how you work together, how we build an ensemble mm. and so on and so forth. And once we commit to you, after we go through that rigorous audition process, we're committed to you for the four years. Now you may decide to leave personally, you may decide this isn't for you, but we're committed to you unless you do some outrageous behavior, you finish <laughs> your education. Now that was not the case before that time that Juilliard was never so committed to you. You, you were you know, evaluated yes. at the end of each semester for about three semesters, I think it was, or first year and then an, another semester. But you, you yes. had to get clear of the second year to be, and the issue was the people who were there in the first two years were paying for the mm. education of those who stayed, you see. It wasn't because there were some evil people in the drama division. It was because in the initial incarnation of the drama division, the Juilliard School did not see drama as a fine art, you see. They did not see it wow. as, as a great wow. performance art form. This was, they had, you know, it, it began as a music school and then sure. they, they allowed dance to come in, I think it was in the 50s, sure. and it was perfectly fine there, you know, and they never wanted to, listen, when the idea of jazz came up to be a part of it oh. for a long time, that was like, oh. Verboten, oh. baby. You know, forget about that. You know, you yes. can say. I sat on the committee. Yeah, you know. Oh, I see. There you are. See, so you, yeah. you know. But so, but the drama, the drama yes, thing was uh, was hard won. It was hard won. It couldn't be at a uh, American theatrical tradition, say like like uh, the actors' uh, uh, studio or something like that. It had to be. The classical sure. training that and, and, and John and yeah, yeah, John understood. John knew what the game was because he had been Hollywood and he'd done the classics and that. So he was, mm -hmm. you know, making sure that we may have to come in this way, but we're gonna we're gonna get there. You know, we're gonna get to a unique American tradition eventually. But yeah. he had to bite the bullet in many ways. He had to do things that he didn't uh, want to do, but they were, they cut funding. They started out funding the drama division. And then the next year after giving scholarships to some students, 
the Juilliard School cut back on that funding. So there were wow. scholarship students who had to go and there were students who were paying customers who had to stay and so that they could mm. keep, keep the boat afloat. So there were, there were a lot of things like that that, that happened. So anyway, mm. and I, I knew mm -hmm. far too much about it than I really wanted to know. I, mm -hmm. I knew because uh, Hausman thought something of me and, and also because, you know, you have your ways, you know, people, you know, we, sure. we have to survive, you know, that's another thing about our people, you know, we, we can, we can read between the lines. We can see yes. the look that you don't think we see, you know, that's and right. so, Come on. Uh, uh, all of that, all that went down. I, I left after two years of training and I went to North Carolina School of the Arts, but I kept my connection to the school because there were friendships that were lifelong friendships that are made in, in those, um, you know, in the mm -hmm. trenches there, you know, you've Absolutely. got friends that you make there that will be friends for life. Students and faculty alike. Students and no faculty doubt. alike. Yeah, the, the fin finances and the support of the drama division. And the and, and as Elijah has said, um, uh, and, and you, you witnessed too, as the acting company and the rea reality of the acting company, because in, in the first four to five years, they were building the training to prepare to have an acting company That's that right. could go around the country. And then Juilliard was ready to take the bow. You see, everybody mm -hmm. will bet on the horse after it crosses the finish line. You see, That's right. You know, Come a lot on. of people yes. ready to put their money down when they say, oh, I always knew that was the horse, you know. But before that, there were doubters, you know, and even yeah. there were haters as well as doubters. But the acting company came out of the box strong. The training proved to be uh, good training. And then, mm -hmm. as you say, careers began to occur. Absolutely. You know, Kevin, Kevin, Absolutely. Kevin Klein and Patty LuPone. Patty and, 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 and as these careers occurred, and the other thing happened too, which was really the goal, the regional theater movements was strengthened by the, the actors who came through our training, uh, and they made contributions in, in training programs. Mary Lou Rosato and Jared mm -hmm. Sacrin and different people who were mm -hmm. making their contributions in other ways all the way across the board. Mm -hmm. Juilliard realized that this too would be a pride, that, that, that there was going to be people that they could hold the, the Juilliard banner high and say that the bar did Absolutely. not drop, the bar the bar is still there. That's why I rejoice when I hear what Elijah, and I can tell you too, I was I was quite impressed with the prop, prop you know, Elijah, you know the piece we did with during COVID, uh, the Richard, Richard too. Yeah, oh, man, and you did some absolutely stellar work there, brother. I was just, you know, it was, uh, it was rocking, and again, it was, we had to talk about the politics. You remember? We had to discuss yes. whether having a, a, a black man playing Richard II and whether doing Shakespeare at all. Was this really, mm -hmm. was this really addressing this thing? Are we still lifting another culture by giving our strengths to it? So are, are you valid here? Or, or and, and, and all that. That that's always still still the case and i think um it was a triumph and, and i just like i can say man when i realized i said oh that's the brother you talking about denise you know because i you know i'm old man and i don't remember everything right away you know but then when she <laughs> said Elijah, i said wait a minute Elijah john wait a minute 
that, that, that. Oh yeah, that's that bad, brother. Okay. So, uh, so but it, it's sure still it's know. still very interesting. It, it's still very very interesting that we are still having this conversation because by the time I came along, Group Eight, the eighth graduating class, I entered Juilliard in 1975. I graduated in '79. I was the first African American woman in the company. Wow. All those years later. Wow. And James was James Moody was group one was the first African-American male. And he was not offered major roles. And Keith David and I entered the company. Keith was Oberon. I was Titania. He, you know, he was Bozzo and waiting for Godot. I mean, I was Olivia in Twelfth Night. We were offered finally major roles after all of this time. And, and so that's, that's, that's where this conversation, I'd like to take this conversation is, is just how we represent ourselves in that classical space. How do we bring our tones and richness and rhythms, vocal rhythms and physical rhythms into the classical space and be proud of it? Thanks for spending time with us. Hope you enjoyed. Come back next week for part two. This is Denise Wood saying, you want more? Find us on whatever podcast platform you use. Subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks a lot. See you next time.